What do you get when you mix Josh from the Horror Movie Crew podcast and Michael from the We Love Horror podcast? You get another horror podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Michael. And I'm Josh. And welcome back to another horror podcast. How are you today, Josh? How am I? I am I'm, I'm, I'm great. How are <laughs> you, <off>. sir? <laughs> well, I was going to say, how the fuck are you today, Josh? And then I am, I don't know, I fucked that up. So I was like, how are you, Josh? I thought it sounded good. You sound very robotic. It sounded like um, you'd sat around and rehearsed it all day. I could tell mm. you're, you were ready to go, raring to go robotic huh i sounded robotic yeah no maybe just a little bit but hey you know Um, you are excited this is your (laughs) franchise we did the last episode with saw i picked that and now we're on again this is season one the franchise episode two what was your franchise you picked i picked the grudge franchise Mm. because as people know listening to my other podcast i'm sure they know that uh the Grudge is one of my favorite films ever made, so I talk about it quite often. So I thought, what better way to kick off this uh, franchise discussion season, whatever you want to call it, with uh, this film franchise. So You are just excited. like so excited to talk about this. <laughs> I am very, very excited, but I'm also, I don't know, you and I have been chatting back and forth the last couple of days, and I'm like, I don't know where you're ranking these, and I... I don't know if I'm super excited about where you're putting certain films, so I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, and it should be said, we'll, we'll say it again later, I'll say it again later, you don't know where I rank these films, and I don't know where you rank these films, so we will be finding out um, as we record, so it might end up in an argument or a debate, um, luckily it wouldn't be any sort of fist fight, because we're not together, we're recording over Zoom, so um, yeah, exciting stuff, but hey, that being said, what have you been up to lately? Um... Not a whole lot. Uh, just watching these films for this franchise discussion. Like, I didn't have to watch these films again because the first two I've seen multiple occasions. Like, the first three, actually. So, Juan, The Grudge, and The Grudge 2, I've seen so many times I don't even need to watch them. But I watched them because I was like, if Josh has to watch them, watch them all, it would probably be fair for me to rewatch them. So, and I mean, it's no, you know, it's fun for me to watch them so i'd watch them anytime so it was just another excuse for me to get to, to pop them back in the dvd player and watch them again so <laughs> hmm. interesting i did watch well okay so it should be said you're gonna go through the background and the history of the franchise but we agreed to only watch five films for this which were um go ahead and recap that oh yeah yeah so the original juan that came out um in 2002 so a couple of years before the remake was made and then we did all of the american remakes right um and like there's so many japanese (laughs) so many japanese versions of this film that it's just like i don't think we would have would have had time to watch them all especially in the short time that we had to you know prepare for this so (laughs) yeah i was like i'm not gonna put josh through that i'm not gonna make josh watch every single one yeah i appreciate that because i did i did watch all five of them that we are ranking today so um i'm i'm with you that's what i've been up to i've been knocking these grudge movies out i did basically did a grudge gauntlet here um 
and knocked them all out. But uh, what have I been up to? I'll be honest. I watched Ready or Not again the other day. And, dude, I love this movie so much. We did an episode on it, uh, the horror movie, Chris, my other podcast. We did an episode back in November, maybe? I think it was November is when we did it. But, man, I, I had not watched that movie. And I watched it for the first time last year, um, right before that. And liked it so much that I I uh, suggested we did an episode on it. And I don't I watched it again. That's probably the fifth time I've watched it now. I, I think every time I watch it, I like it even more. So if you haven't seen Ready or not, you should you should really uh, check it out because it's a really great movie. It is. It's a very great film. And then when I found out that uh, they are going to be doing the Scream remake, or I guess not really the Scream remake, but the f- fifth Scream in the franchise that they're just calling Scream, I was pretty excited about that. So. Yeah, I am as well. I think they're going to do. I, you know, I'm. There's people out there that are not excited about. It. I'm actually extremely excited about it. Anytime you get a new screen movie, I'm excited. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not the type of person that um, gets upset when they come out with these new movies. I, I just like the additions to the the franchises, honestly. Um, so I'm I'm not one that's going to be overly pessimistic about it because there's a lot of people out there that are doing that and that's just not the way i am i'm excited and i can't wait to watch it so same with when they were talking about doing halloween 2018 i know there were a lot of people that i think they were probably more positive about that than people have been about this new screen movie but um yeah i don't know a lot of people didn't like 2018 i did like it you know it, it had its flaws but at the same time you know i anytime you get a new michael myers movie i am i'm into it so same. I'm easy to please, dude. I'm not hard, I'm not a hard guy to please, but what are you going to do? Um so before we jump into some of the uh the stuff about the grudge here we're, we're going to jump into, do you want to say anything that you have going on with uh the We Love Horror podcast coming up? By the time this comes out, we'll be in uh March, so you might think ahead yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I have you guys on this coming weekend, so I'm very, very fucking excited for that. Um, well, no, actually, I'm on yours this weekend. Sorry. You have me on yours this weekend, and then I have you on mine next weekend. So that's very exciting. I'm very, very fucking excited to do that. So, um, And we're going to be talking about Evil Dead, the remake on yours, and then you guys are going to come on to mine. We're going to talk about the original one that came out in, what, 80? 81. Yep. Yeah. So very, very exciting. I'm super stoked about that. And then... Um, other than that, just been putting out episodes weekly. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the, we love horror podcast. Uh, you can email me at we love horror pod at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, just, just a fun podcast. I've really enjoyed doing it. Um, met a lot of fucking awesome people. So just exciting. What about you, Josh? So at the horror movie crew, we've got, um, again, by the time this comes out, we'll be in mid, uh, March. So we theme each month. Uh, the March theme is, uh, monsters of March. It's kind of a play on March madness. So we're doing, uh, I think it's called the monsters of March madness. I think, I don't know yet. By the time this comes out, we'll already be posting about that shit. But, um, so again, mostly monster movies, um, Jess picked Dreamcatcher. Uh, Seth's movie is Tremors, and mine is Kong Skull Island. And then um, we're also having the boys from Elm Street on, and we are doing Wolf Cop. So those will all come out in March. Again, by the time this comes out, I don't know what will already be out and what hasn't yet. Uh, but that's our theme for March is uh, is Monster. Monsters of March, which is going to be a, a blast. Um, so yeah, that'll be out. Our episode with you will also be out, uh, which will be the Evil Dead 2013. Is that right? 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. and then we'll be on with you doing the uh, Evil Dead 81. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Uh, March should be a lot of fun mm-hmm. um, for both because we're going to be releasing our first episodes for uh, another horror podcast in March as well. So it's going to be exciting, an exciting March coming up. I think so, yeah. It's it's really exciting because we're um, going to be announcing it soon to everybody. So <laughs> very, yes. very excited to see how people react to it. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully by the time they hear this, they're just going to be sitting on pens and needles because they're so excited. You hear that? That's my mic stand, Michael. I thought that was your stomach for a second. <laughs> no. I, like, I do have my horror movie crew shirt on now. Nice. Yes, the I cool, have... super cool purple one. I just have my flannel on today, so mm. not repping any podcast merch. Of course, though, I could have repped my uh, new podcast on Elm Street shirt that came today. So shout out to Mark and Brooke for that because I just got that in the mail right when me and Josh were about to start this. So very excited about that. Didn't get my shirt. Thanks, guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. All right. Well, hey, why don't we jump into our topic for the episode, which is... The Grudge. Do you remember your first introduction to the franchise? This is going to be long-winded, I can tell already, because you are just oh, so God. excited to talk about this. Yeah, no, you're you're right about that. I'm going to try to not go on too much of a tangent, but I will like um, explain my introduction. So the crazy thing is, is I remember like it was yesterday, because this came out in 2004, so I was, I think just barely turning 11 years old or about to turn 11 years old so I was like really fucking young I was still a baby but I just remember seeing like the tv spots on tv and being like oh this movie looks so fucking scary like I want to go see it and I remember I had to beg my parents to let me go see this film because they were like that looks way too scary for you like you're gonna have to sleep in our room or you're gonna have to sleep with the light on and we're not having that and I was like please just let me go please and so my dad my mom and dad made a, a deal with me that if I could sleep in my own room after watching this movie, they would let me go watch it. And I was like, okay, okay. So I remember getting to the theater and like, this was back when, um, so I lived in Mesquite, Nevada and it's not like a huge town. It's actually really small, but we had like an old theater there before they like started putting up a bunch of new ones. And this theater isn't there anymore. Cause it was part of one of the casinos there. And I just remember like the way it felt when I went in there. Like I remember seeing the post, like the poster of the film and being like terrified of that as enough as it is. And then I just remember going in there and just sitting down and the movie starting. And I remember feeling like really, really fucking nervous. Like I started questioning myself. I was like, well, is this a good idea for me to go see this movie? I was like, I don't know if this was a good idea for me to go see this anymore, but it, you know, it opened up and I was like, okay, this is fine. It's a sunny day. It's nice. And then it opens up with this guy on like a fucking balcony and I'm sitting there like, okay, this isn't so bad. This isn't so bad. And then he fucking throws himself over the top of the balcony and just falls to the ground. I was like, oh, okay, this is that kind of movie. So, was this your know, first introduction? This was your first scary movie you'd ever seen in a theater. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. And I remember. I just remember like everything about it. I remember the way it smelled. I remember just everything it's crazy like it's one of those experiences that you don't forget and i think maybe it was because it was my first film that i saw in theaters and it had such a impact on me like this film i talk about this film being like really important to me not just in the fact that i love it so much but this film is the film that made me realize that film and like horror movies are what i wanted to get into like specifically doing film like horror movies in general when i grew up um and then after after this film came out i 
wanted to get it on DVD as soon as it came out. I think I wore out the first DVD that we had in like the first year because I watched it. I'm not, this is not an exaggeration, Josh. I watched this film every day after I got home from school, every single day. Like there wasn't a time when I didn't pop this movie in. And like, I had this movie, I have this movie memorized, like the back of my hand. Like I didn't, I wouldn't even need to take notes for this film to like know anything about it. And I used to make like grudge short films. Like I have so many cheesy, stupid, like short films that I've made, like based on this. And I don't know, I always wanted to make my movies about the grudge. So I like always involved my friends and they were like, Oh, do we have to do another <laughs> grudge film? And <laughs> cause I was just so obsessed with it. Like, I guess I still am kind of, but so how old were you when this came out? Um, I think I was like 10 or 11. I wasn't very, I wasn't very old. So um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's crazy how much of this film I remember. Cause I remember going in and just being completely immersed by this film. Like this film just like gripped me from beginning to end. And I loved it. And also this film also spawned my obsession with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, but when this movie came out, I was like obsessed with her. Like I wanted to watch everything that she was in. I even had a fucking, so I had this collage in my room of like different celebrity women that I like just cut out of magazines that I was uh-huh. like obsessed with at the time. She was like most of it. <laughs> she took up most of that collage, but. So this I don't know, was like your I, first introduction to Sarah Michelle Geller as well? Yep, it was. So you'd never seen Scream 2? Nope. Or uh, I know you did last summer? Nope. Or Buffy? Nope. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I had seen Scooby Doo. Um, I don't think that but... counts. Yes, it does. <laughs> She's in it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this movie has like really impacted me a lot. Like, like I said before, it, it really made me realize that film is what I want to go into as a career at some point. And so it just really sparked this like passion for film, passion for horror movies, honestly, because honestly, like I said before, I think The Ring was the very first film that I was ever introduced to as far as horror goes. Mm -hmm. But The Grudge is really what like made it really kicked off everything for me. So I don't know. I love this film. I I like this franchise for the most part. There are some, you know, duds, but <laughs> I think for the most part, like there it's a solid franchise. If you watch like all the other Japanese films as well, which I have, I've seen um all of the Japanese films, except mm-hmm. for a couple of them. But <clears throat> what's yeah. the one with Joshua Jackson where he's like a photographer or something? Is it that one is Shudder. Shudder, that's right. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my first introduction to this, I remember seeing it at the theater. Um, again, I thought it was scary. The you know you have those certain things which we'll talk about later that I think are iconic with this film. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you the theater that I was at, you wouldn't want to remember the smell. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had already seen The Ring and I'm a huge Ring fan as you probably already know and anybody that listens to the horror movie crew knows that I'm a huge Ring fan I have Samara tattooed on my arm um, so for me in terms of, of J-horror Japanese horror The Ring sets the bar for me um, you know we'll get into it uh, you and I have had this conversation previously I don't think that the grudge was anywhere near as good as the ring uh, on many different levels which we I'm sure we'll talk about but um, yeah that was my first introduction to it and yeah I mean it was scary I was a kid so I was younger it was scary you know you got those things that I think are were designed to scare kids it's a PG-13 movie so again I think that it was geared more toward a younger crowd 
Uh, and I think that that's what they played into, and it worked. I mean, it's it's a historic movie in the horror uh, community. I think um, if even if people don't like it, they know it. It's something they've seen, and they they remember that sound, that gagging sound. That uh, is it, Kayako? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the she makes, and then the uh, the 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 cat Toshio. Yeah, the yeah. cat noise. It's all iconic to that to this movie, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the time it was it was very scary. It was it was definitely fun to go back and rewatch it though now because I honestly haven't seen it since it came out. Um, really? Yeah. So it was definitely fun to go back and, and rewatch it. But uh, so I guess that begs the uh, begs the question here. Um, in your opinion, where do you think this movie fits into um, you know the horror horror movie history? For, obviously, for you, it's up there. <laughs> yeah, it's way up there. It's probably in my like top five favorite horror movies of all time like um yeah if i had to be trapped on a desert island and i could only bring five movies with me this would be one of them so just because i can watch it anytime any day i don't get sick of it i've never gotten sick of it like i'm pretty much i've pretty much seen this movie so many times i have the japanese memorized like i can i can quote the japanese stuff too like when they're talking in japanese i'm like gotcha yeah It's, it's crazy like um it's just, yeah, I know this movie inside and out and I love it and it still is enjoyable for me 16 years later. So, Well, we're going to have a good time talking about it then I can tell because uh, for me, yeah, I mean, it's a, I think, again, when it came out, I liked it. It was a good movie. Um, I don't rank it up there that high. Um, obviously, I think that there's other movies that have done similar concepts better, but we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, so for me, I, again, I th- it was fun to go back and rewatch it now as an adult versus when I watched it as a kid um, previously. So, uh, do you want to jump into the? Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we jump into the background? Um, no, I think we're good. All right, man. Then take it away. All right, so the background for the Grudge franchise is it's a Japanese-American franchise created by Takashi Samizu, and it contains 12 films in total, one television series, and two short films, Katsumi, Katasumi in a Corner, and 44444. How many fours you want to say? <laughs> 44 <laughs> and, repeat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and these two short films were... Uh, actually Takashi Samizu's introduction into this franchise. So in a corner in the four for four movie was made in 1998. And then he came out with Jew on the curse that came out in 2000 uh, Jew on the curse Two followed shortly after that in the same year. And then Jew on the grudge, which is the one that I know most of all as far as Japanese films go um, that came out in 2002 Jew on the Grudge 2 came out in 2003, and then you get the American remake that came out in 2004, uh, The Grudge 2 that came out in 2006, The Grudge 3 that came out in 2009, and then you go back to the Japanese films, which is Jew on White Ghost, which came out in uh, 2009, and then Jew on Black Ghost, which also came out in the same year. Holy cow. And then you get, I know, (laughs) and then you get Jew on the Final Curse, which came out in 2015. Sadako versus Kayako, which came out in 2016. And I put that down just because it's kind of technically still in the mm-hmm. same realm. So I figured I'd count that one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Juon Origins, which is a Netflix show that came out on Netflix last year. And then The Grudge 2020. So, um, and these films 
mostly center around the Saiki family, who consists of husband and father Takayo Sayaki, his wife Kayako, and their son Toshio. When Takayo finds his wife's journal and discovers that she's in love with another man, he brutally murders her. He then murders his son and the family cat before hanging himself. And this basically causes a curse to be born at the spot where it occurred. And everyone who enters that spot becomes entangled in a curse that forever lives to kill. Most of the films in the franchise take a different approach to the storytelling aspect by telling the story in a non-linear fashion, which I really like. I really appreciate the fact that these films kind of go back in time and kind of explain little things little by little. Like you don't get every piece of information like right off the bat. You kind of have to, you know, follow along with the story, which I really like. Um, And Takashi Sumizu is the creator of The Grudge, obviously. And I'm actually really impressed by this. He's directed and written six of the 12 films in the franchise, including two of the American remakes. So for me, that's really unique because I think he's the only Japanese director that has crossed over into the American realm of actually directing two of the remakes, which is really cool because another fun fact about that before I move on, he don't, he doesn't speak a lick of English. So like when he was, he was um, doing the American remakes, he had a translator by his side at all times that he would, what he would translate through. So like all the actors and stuff had to freaking go through his translator, which I just think is amazing. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. That would definitely add another element to filming. Oh yeah. And this is also the only like uh, Japanese film that was actually filmed in Japan still. Like they actually kept the American remakes in Japan instead of crossing over to the U S which a lot of, which is what a lot of these um, American remakes do. They take place in the U S um, but this film actually still takes place in Japan, which I think is really cool because you get that you get that um, lost in translation type of feel. You get like the Japanese culture mixed in with this, you know, American remake. And I, I really like that aspect. I think it's great that they kept it in Japan. Um, so the American remake titled The Grudge premiered on October 22nd, 2004 and made over one hundred and eighty seven million dollars worldwide on a $10 million budget. So they made (laughs) their money back and then some, uh, making it a financial success. It held the title for having the highest grossing opening weekend for an American remake in history with a $39 million gross. It was later beaten out by Friday the 13th, which came out in 2009 that made 40.1 million in its opening weekend. And uh, even with the financial success of this film, the critical response to the film wasn't met with as much success. The film was given a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 46%, which I don't understand that at all, but okay. (laughs) That's just me being a bitter bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that today. So (laughs) buckle up, buckle up people. We're going to, we're going to try to, we're going to try to stay positive here. Um, However, following the financial success of The Grudge, The Grudge 2, which came out in 2006, was a greenlit for production almost immediately after the release of The Grudge. I believe, I believe from what I read, it was uh, greenlit for production as soon as the opening weekend was over. Once they saw how successful the first one did, they like immediately put it into production. So um, in total, the franchise has seen seven directors, including Takashi Sumizu, creator and director of the first eight Juon slash Grudge films, Toby Wilkins, that directed The Grudge 3, Ryuta Miyaki, who directed Juon White Ghost, Mari Asato, who uh, directed and wrote Juon Black Ghost, Masayuki Ochai, who uh, directed Juon The Final Curse, Koji Shirashi, who 
directed Sadako versus Kayako, and then Nicholas Pesci, who directed The Grudge 2020. And uh, basically the same writers, so I won't get into like all the writers, but um, Takashi Sumizu, obviously, Nicholas Pesci, Steven Susko, uh, Brad King, Brad Keen, sorry. And then the rest of them are just the same people that directed the other ones, so... You did a great job with those names. I'm very. I was sitting here thinking he's like I'm. Gonna, he's gonna fumble at least one of these names, and you didn't. I'm very impressed. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for the. Also, thank you for the vote of confidence. Jeez, thought I was gonna bomb him. I was hoping. <laughs> you know, like I said, I just I'm, I lived to make fun of people. So, but you let me down. So thanks. <clears throat> yes. All right. So um, now I'm getting on to the uh, historically it has has historically mixed to negative reviews of the franchise as a whole. So Jew on the, the curse, the very first one, uh, the rotten tomatoes critic score is 64%. And then the audience score is 66%. So that's pretty high for the first one. Um, Jew on the curse too. I don't have anything for either one. It wasn't available. Um, Jew on the grudge. Uh, couldn't find anything on the rotten tomatoes critics consensus, but the audience gave it a 63, which is still pretty good. Uh, Jew on the Grudge 2, the critic score was 56%, and the audience score was 69%. And the Grudge remake that came out in 2004, the critic score is 40%, the audience score is 46 The Grudge 2 that came out in 2006 has a 12% critics rating and a 40% audience rating. The Grudge 3 to, from 2009 doesn't have a critics rating for whatever reason, but the audience rating is 27%. And then Juwan White Ghost doesn't have a critics rating as either, but it has an audience rating of 39%. Juwan Black Ghost, uh, no critics consensus, but the audience consensus, consensus is at 27%. And I couldn't find anything on Juwan The Final Curse either. Um, some of these films just didn't have one. Uh, Sadako versus Kayako has a 48% of the critics rating and a 28% from the audience. The Grudge 2020 has a critics consensus of 21% and a 23% from the audience. And then Juwan Origins, which is the TV show on Netflix, has an 85% from critics and an audience consensus of 74. So out of all the films, this is the highest rated one. Which is a TV show, correct? Yeah, and it wasn't that good. So I don't know why people rated it that high. But <laughs> I don't know why people rate a lot of things the way they do. But um, you know, you have that. The one thing we should say though is when he when we we're talking about critics consensus versus audience, what that means is basically on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a, a site you can go to to get movie ratings. Mm -hmm. uh, the critics consensus is not the overall critics average um, percentage of what they voted that rated that movie. It's a percentage of people that voted over a, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's the percentage of uh, critics that voted over a certain percentage of the movie. So basically whether the critics like it or not is what it is. When you say that, when, when you were just talking that critics consensus, it's saying whether the 23% of the critics enjoyed the movie versus didn't enjoy the movie. Mm. It's very convoluted. I hate it. Uh, we talk about it on the Horror Movie Crew as well. We always give it out there because Rotten Tomatoes is a very high-regarded uh, movie rating site that a lot of people go to. But what I look at more often than the critics' consensus is generally the audience's score because that's more of a true rating in my opinion. I agree. I agree. And thank you for bringing that up. I totally... Uh skipped over that explanation part so sorry about that <laughs> you're you're good i always uh, i just like to, to make that known because like for instance um the sadako versus kayako or it's 48 percent critics consensus versus uh 28 audience that doesn't necessarily mean that 
the critics all vote rated at forty eight percent, right? Just forty eight percent of them gave it a favorable uh, rating, which is not neither here nor there. It's really not that important. But I'm just a stuck up bitch, <laughs> and I like to to talk about it. Um. Anyway, ooh, are you nervous? I feel like you're getting a little nervous now. We're getting ready to get into the rating systems here. He's getting ranking systems. <laughs> We're not rating anything. It's all it's all just where we believe it falls in line um, with the other movies. So mm-hmm. obviously, like you said earlier, there are like a crap ton of these movies. So we, and I'll be honest, we, I don't know how much fun people would have had listening to us talk about 12 movies that they've probably never seen. I think the ones yeah. we're talking about are probably the ones that most people have seen, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm ready to get into this. Do you want me to go first? Uh, I think I went first for my movie, so you can go first for yours if you'd like. Number five. Um, so my number five pick is The Grudge from 2020. I'm shocked. And I'm shocked. Why? <laughs> why are you shocked? I'm not are shocked. Are you being at sarcastic? All. Yes, very. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think anybody would be shocked with this, with this choice. Um, I don't like this movie at all. Like I found, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm normally a very positive person. I really am. Like ask anybody that goes and sees these movies with me. I will always try to find at least one good thing about a film. Like when I go out of it Mm -hmm. and the only thing that I can take out of this film that I actually genuinely enjoyed was the opening scene. And that's it. The rest of this Mm -hmm. film not a fun film to watch. I did not want to watch it again to do have to do this like ranking thing, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to give it a fair chance. I'm going to watch it again. Cause I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters last year. That's how disappointed I was with it. Hmm. And maybe, maybe, and maybe a lot of to do with the reason why I was so disappointed with it is because I went into it with a lot of expectations because the trailer, and th- I think this is what really irks me about this film is I totally understand if you want to take a franchise and 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 make it something different, you know, but don't do a trailer where it makes it seem like where you manipulate the audience into believing that this is going to be another film that um, has Kayako in it, like the, you know, the, the ghost. She's in it for one scene and then the rest of the film, she's not in it at all. And I have a problem with that because this this film doesn't even center around that anymore it's just like this whole other thing which another thing to me is it doesn't make sense like they try to fit this like timeline in with everything that's happening in the other films which is kind of a cool concept but some of the stuff that they like some of the rules that they imply in this film do not make sense to the time that certain things take place like for example like they the curse the whole the way that the curse works is that only the people that go inside that house are affected by it, except for when you get into the grudge too, obviously, because, you know, when the house burns down, something changes with that and it kind of spreads even further. But the the events at the beginning of this film take place in 2004 before any of that even happens. So it's like, how how does this curse get transferred to the U.S. without all this? I don't know. There's just things that don't make sense. I don't enjoy this film. I think the acting is re- the acting is OK from certain people. Um, I will give it credit there. Uh, Lynn Shea does very good in this film. Um, okay. So like when I, and I think I, I think I was highly disappointed in this film when I got into it because I was so excited because when mm-hmm. the trailer first dropped, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be a good film. I was like, this might even be better than the 2004 one. And that's mm-hmm. saying a lot. So I went into this film with high, high, high expectations because I was like, okay, there's some powerhouse people in this film, like Lynn Shea, John Cho. I was like, okay, so this movie must be somewhat good. So I went into this movie thinking completely 
you know, having an open mind and I came out of it hating it. Like I did not like it. I think it's just a jump scare fest full of like stupid cheap. And I've seen a lot of the deleted scenes with this film. And if, I think if they would have kept the deleted scenes that they have from this film in the movie, mm-hmm. it would have made the movie a lot more enjoyable, but not by much. So it still probably wouldn't have changed my rating all that much, but yeah, that's why it's on my number five. So correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, but, it, the, but at the beginning of the grudge 2020, the, um, the lady is works in the house. So she does, she actually physically gets touched by Kayako, which is how she transports the curse back to the U S similar to what happens at the grudge Two, where she brings it back to Chicago. Well, yeah, but the grudge Two is different because once the fire, like the fire changed something with the house and the grudge Two. So like, I can I can suspend my belief of reality with the grudge too, but with the 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 original grudge, mm-hmm. the rules clearly state that the only people that get affected by this curse are the people that go into the house. And she has been in the house. Like it doesn't even matter that she was touched by a Kayako. She's already been in the house because you see her leaving. So she would so, there have she would have been impacted by the curse. Exactly. But how how does she go back home and carry the curse with her and affect everybody else that she goes comes into contact with? Because when she gets home, she kills her family in a fit of rage, just like the husband did in the grudge, causing the curse to have been reborn in the U.S. We're going to have a lot of fun when we get to this movie. I can tell you. (laughs) I mean, I get I guess I guess you have a point, but like. I don't know. Just I guess in the original Grudge film, mm-hmm. this curse never made anybody else like kill anyone outside of like the house that wasn't affected by it. So like that's why for me it was like, uh, okay, this doesn't make okay. sense because it's All like right. why is this family? I don't know. You we'll, know what I'm trying to we'll say. We'll jump right? into it when I when I get to it on my list here. <laughs> oh God, I'm scared of how high this is on your list. Number five. Um, Are you done? I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, yeah, you did kind of cut me off. I'm sorry, go um, ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, I was down. That's it. Okay. I didn't want to get much more into it. But yeah, that's my number five. Number five for me is uh, a movie I just watched today. I'll never, ever watch it again. I'm going to call Amazon Jeff Bezos and see if I can get my money back. It is The Grudge 3. And let me tell you, to be honest with you, until you and I decided to do this franchise, when you picked, I didn't even know there was a Grudge Three. To be honest with you, I was aware of the the uh, Japanese version. I was aware of the Sarah Michelle Gellar one. I was aware of the second one that has uh, Katie from the Ring in it, and I was aware of the 2020 remake. I had no idea there was a Grudge Three. I'm almost wish I didn't know there was a Grudge Three. So. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, it continues the storyline from Gr- The Grudge 2, which is kind of cool, I guess. And in its defense, it was a straight-to-DVD release. Um, I honestly, when I first saw the uh, picture of it, I got excited because it's got Shawnee Smith from Saw. She plays Amanda. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It wasn't. It was, it was with, the ex- with the exception of her, the acting in this movie feels like a TV sci-fi movie. The special effects are not great. Um, And honestly, in my opinion, it just doesn't add anything to the story. Uh, They try to. They try to expand upon what you learn in The Grudge too. but it's just, for me, I'm like, I don't need this. Uh, The best scenes were with Shawnee Smith. She she does a... I still believe she does a great job, but she clearly didn't have a lot to work with. But uh, like 45 minutes into this, I'm like, is there anything that's going to fucking happen in this movie? Um that's it. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. The Grudge Three is <laughs> for me. It was. I'll never watch it again. The Grudge Three, fifth place. <laughs> Damn, Josh gets heated up in here. Damn, 
I can feel the I can feel the rage radiating <laughs> off of you right now through this computer screen. I just like bad <laughs> movies. You know, there's a difference between a bad movie you can watch and a bad movie that just should have never been made. And I don't, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. So, that's how I feel about The Grudge 2020, but apparently you ranked that higher on your list than I did, so... <laughs> I don't hear you bringing up any uh, counterpoints to The Grudge 3, which I'm assuming it's probably going to be your number four. But anyway, let's not... Let, what, tell us what your number four is. Go ahead. Number four. So my number four is The Grudge 3, yeah, um, that came out in 2009. Uh I do find this film a little more entertaining than the grudge 2020, because at least with this, I know it's a bad film. Don't get me wrong. I know the grudge three is not a good film, but I would rather pop in fucking the grudge three than watch the 2020 garbage room. Like, mm -mm, Nope. I would much rather watch this film, but what you were saying about like the, um, the storyline and stuff, I do find one thing about the storyline a little bit interesting. And that's the fact that they bring in a extra character who's Kayako's sister, who you find out like, you find out that Kayako has a sister and she comes to this apartment to try to like stop this curse, which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought it kind of brought something different, you know, in the sense of like, okay, how, there, there might be a way to stop this curse, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of find out found interesting. Um, you, you are right though. The acting is really bad. The makeup effects on the ghosts are fucking cheesy as yeah, hell. They like, look they like Smurfs. They look, yeah, they look like they're just fucking like covered in white fit. Like it looks like they literally like right before they filmed, they're like, okay, we're just going to throw a bunch of white paint on you. Here you go. And was like, it just white? Splash. See, mine look blue. I was like, these people look blue. No, that, um, I think that's in the second film. I think that's in the grudge too, when they look more blue. Oh no. I literally, right before we hopped on here, I was watching it. He looked, uh, they looked blue, but I mean, it was my TV. I don't know, but yeah, I agree with you. It looked like they threw paint on them. It was rough. Well, well, not to mention that the fucking kid that plays Toshio is like five feet taller than him. Yeah, he like, looks he like has he was long a ass legs. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's like 13 years old in this. And it's like, um, really? You couldn't find a fucking little kid to play this? Okay. It's just, yeah. And um, yeah, the acting's not very good in this film. I think, I think Shawnee Smith does okay. But I think the acting that really shines in this film actually comes from the um the woman that plays kayako's sister i think she's actually fantastic in this film and i think i do like the main girl that's in this film she's um not in a whole lot of other stuff but i like her and stuff that i've seen her in um this is the older sister uh yeah okay yeah. gotcha um real quick on the, on kayako's sister i can tell you why i didn't i did not like that storyline whatsoever and the reason being is that they were already they went and met Kayako's mother in in The Grudge 2, right? Right. With yeah. no mention of a sister. And wouldn't the mom have known if there was a way to end this curse? How does a sister all of a sudden have this way to end this curse? Like wouldn't the mom who kind of started the whole thing known how to stop this? And if she did, why hadn't she already done it? Or why had the sister let this go on so long? I don't know. I'm kind of off on a tangent at this point, but I did no, not I like totally this movie actually, whatsoever. That actually makes a lot of sense. I I kind of, no, I do get why you don't like it. The The reason why I liked it though, like plot holes aside, you know, if we're, if we're not counting like anything that you just said, like I like the fact that they tried to do something different with the story at least. Like they tried to find a way to, you know, 
make it somewhat different from the, the from the first two. So that that's something I kind of appreciate. Um, other than that, it's not that great of a movie. So I mean, that's why it's on my number four. But I would, like I said before, I would much rather pop this film in than watch the fucking Grudge twenty twenty again. <laughs> so, <clears throat> just my opinion. But uh, yeah, what's your number? What's your number four, Josh? My number four. Are you sitting down? Are you ready? Oh God, I'm scared. Yeah is the Japanese version of The Grudge from 2002. I just could not get into it. And maybe it's just because I'm a dumb hillbilly from Ohio, but like I just... And here's the thing, and I don't know if you listened to our episode on Killer Condom that we did, because uh, it's all in, I think, German. Uh-huh. I, I, don't, I don't want to read my movies. I'm sorry. I don't want to... If I want to read, I'll read a book. I don't want to read a movie. Um, so that for me, that just kills me. So like, I just could not get into it. Um, but other than that, I just think that the movie, I feel like the grudge 2004, even the grudge Two, the grudge 2020, I feel like they all have a, um, yes, there, there's not a straight storyline, right? It's all kind of all over the place. It jumps back and forth. This tries to do that. But honestly, to me, this feels like an anthology. It doesn't feel like one, uh, concise story it feels like a bunch of different storylines based on this one happening or curse or something it all it, that's what it felt like to me is more of an anthology than one um interwoven story and I, I don't know i just couldn't really get into it to be honest um well when you bring up a good point i actually wanted to bring up um so this film actually isn't technically the first film okay if that makes sense the um i think the reason why when you said that it feels like an anthology is because it kind of is. So okay. this film kind of technically takes place. I can't remember if it's a prequel or a sequel, but it's, it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't follow like this. So like the first two movies, I think it either comes before or after those ones. I don't know. So they're all kind of like mixed up. Gotcha. That makes sense. So like, yeah, I mean, you are right when you say that it kind of felt like it was a continuation of something else because there are scenes in the original Juan that are like, where did this come from? You know, you're watching it and you're like, what, what is happening right now? Cause there are some hard things to follow, but if you watch all the other ones, it makes sense. Like there's some things that you watch and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it, it, it's not fully explained in the original Juan. Like if you just watch the first Juan, like you can kind of follow the story pretty well, but then there's things that kind of go off of like the rails and you're kind of like, what is happening here? So. Right. It just felt really choppy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thought that was my initial reaction. I Maybe mean, if I watched it again, I'd like it more, but um, yeah. So for me, it just felt choppy at times with the storyline, but I do like the, um, I do like the origin story and I do like the, where it finally gets to in the conclusion. Again, it was just, it was just hard for me to get into. I am glad I watched it though, honestly, because I'd never seen it. Um, but I, I mean, I like the fact that we follow the family more in this movie versus the nurse Karen. So for me, it didn't feel like uh, that 2004 version was a remake of this. And maybe I'm wrong in my thought process, but that's what I thought 2004 was supposed to be was basically a remake of this. But it is a lot different because you don't have that Karen aspect. You do kind of follow that initial family more, which I did like. Um, mm-hmm. But again, just for me, I, I just couldn't get into it. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised by that actually. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but <laughs> so that's your number that was your number four, right? That's my number four. Why don't you get into your number three? 
All right. So my number three is The Grudge 2 that came out in 2006. And reason for that being is I, I, I do enjoy this film, but I don't know. There's just certain things about this film that I, I wish were different. Um, first of all, being that they didn't kill off Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. <laughs> right. But that's just me being biased because I, you know, love Sarah Michelle Gellar. But um, I don't know. I just... I like, I do still like this film for what it is. Um, I like that they kind of spread, they, they did the continuation of the story in the first one, but they also like brought the curse to a different location. So you bring the curse to Chicago, which is just a very, you know, interesting dynamic because you, you get a whole bunch of different people that somehow get involved with this curse without even realizing it. And I like the, I like the way that they transition back and forth between, you know, the U.S. and the um, ja- in Japan, I think, mm. is really cool. Um, yeah, but when I was younger, for some reason, I thought that this be and it was because this film took two year took place two years after the first one. So in my mind, I was still young enough to like not think about these things through all the way. I was like, so why did it take them two years to get to Japan and find out that Karen's been in the hospital for two years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So I'm sitting here like, so Karen's been in this hospital for two years and nobody's ever come to see if she's okay. So now they're just now like, oh yeah, your sister uh, started a fire too. So at the time, I think I was a little more confused on the storyline. Um, but I think the reason why I put this one as my number three is just because it does have its scary moments. It really does. But I think for me, it's not as scary as the first one in my opinion and and the director even said like in the in the special features he wanted to focus more on different sides of kayako other than just rage so he tried to make it seem like she was like had some emotional grip to her but for me it just doesn't work i don't know right i i do i do appreciate though that like this is the other thing i find cool about this franchise is because kayako and toshio um, except in the second one, they did have to replace the the little boy that plays Toshio because he was getting too big. But um, in all the Juwan films leading up to The Grudge 2 in 2006, it's all the same actors. Like Kayako, Kayako reprises her role up right up until um, The Grudge 2. And then after The Grudge 2, she stopped doing it because Takashi Samizu didn't have anything to do with the other films anymore. Um, so I, I do find that aspect cool. I think it's cool that they bring back the same people um i don't know i just this film i i like to watch it but it's not one of the films in the franchise that i put on all the time so i think that would have to be my number three for that reason so gotcha well that's ironic because it's also my number three the grudge two um from 2006 so kind of similar to what you said i kind of mimic that i i actually like the karen and aubrey storyline um Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I almost wish they wouldn't have killed off Karen so early in the movie. Like, I get killing her off because she's been touched by this curse or whatever, and I, you know, obviously they had to kill her off. I think that they did it too soon because we didn't really get any character building between um, Aubrey and Karen. So yeah. for me, it was almost like, um, not that I wasn't invested in Aubrey, but I feel like I would have been more invested with her after having watched this entire movie about Karen and then if her sister came, etc. Um, and I think that they really, I, I'm not a big fan of the Eason character, which is the guy, uh, the, the Japanese reporter, or I think he says he's a journalist, but that, she, that mm-hmm. Aubrey teams up with to kind of dig into all this. 
I almost wish it would have been Karen and Aubrey that had worked together to kind of uncover this and done more backstory digging. I think it would have just done better. Now I don't know what Sarah Michelle Geller's you know payout for this was, or if they just if she didn't want to do it or what. But I feel like if they could have gotten her on board for it to do, not saying she wouldn't have done it, but I'm just saying for me, I think I would have liked that storyline more. I did find the backstory of Kayako a little odd, to be honest. Um, and I don't know that it was necessary. Like I understand what they were trying to do with her kind of basically more humanizer and almost make you feel, feel empathy for her because she basically her mother was taking these, uh, exercise demons out of people and, and then putting them in her daughter, which is Kayako. But it's like, really? I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And why is this just now coming into play? Um, and again, I know they needed this material for a second movie and they were doing that backstory, but I, I actually was invested more in the schoolgirl plot twist and not just because Teresa or Teresa, however the hell you say her name, Palmer's in it. And I think that she's gorgeous. Um, I actually hated her in this movie, but I did actually like she's such a bitch. <laughs> yeah. She's just awful. Um, yeah, but I did find that whole plot line. Um, really, I enjoyed that more so than the Aubrey plot line. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's not a bad movie. I, I it's a good movie you can pop in and watch. But um, I just I'm just not sure that we needed that backstory. Um, but yeah, I do think that the non the nonlinear storylines it, it is a better twist here than it was in the first one. I think it just because uh, once you find out that Allison's back in the U.S. and that's why all these things are happening in Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah, I do like that storyline. So yeah, that's where I have it. I have the Grudge Two at number three. Very nice. And can I can I make another point real quick on yeah. the Aubrey character? Yeah, I I love Amber Tamblyn. I do, and I think she's great in this film. But the thing that I have an issue with her character is that there is no like defining moment for her like throughout the whole movie she's this like meek little like i mean she does have to go off on her own once eason dies in the film but like she doesn't her character doesn't change like she's just the same like crybaby person throughout the whole film and it's just like for me it's just like what is the point right her character i don't know yeah i think that they were they were really basing uh the audience uh investing in her based off of her strictly being karen's sister and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they ran with is that you're basically your backstory on that character. Is she's Karen's sister that she hasn't talked to in years. And that's what you get, I guess is, is, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and there was another thing that I wanted to add that I kind of found interesting with this film. Um, so it's kind of like with the rules changing in the second film, like you don't even necessarily have to go into the house to get the curse anymore. Like once you cross that gate, once you cross that threshold, mm-hmm. like when, when Aubrey's standing outside of the house and like whatever it is, grabs her and pulls her in. Right. Like that was kind of cool. Cause it's like, Oh shit. Like you're not even safe, like standing outside of the house. If you cross that, you know, threshold into the, even into like the space, like you can get sucked into this. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think, the acting is really good in this film as well. And from a lot of people like Ariel Kebble, for example, she's great in this movie. Is it stated in the first movie that you have to be inside of the house? Yep. And who says this? Um, the, the writers and the directors and all that stuff. Like they, they said like, if you go past the house, you're fine. If you look at the house, you're fine. But if you go in, you're fucked basically is what they say. So it's like, you have to go into the house to be 
you know, affected by this curse. Like if you don't go into the house, you're fine. But once mm. the second you open that door and you step into that house, you're fucked. Like, there's so what about do. all of the other people that have been in the house that have not, that weren't impacted by it whatsoever? Like all the other, talking? all the other police officers and the paramedics and all these people that were already in there that nothing happened to. See, that's something that I've wondered too, because in the first grudge film, you get like that scene where they're, taking the old woman's body out of the house and there's like everybody there it's like wow mm-hmm. japan must have had a very uh <laughs> um, yeah. hard time finding new uh people to employ because just, all these people must have died yeah i'm know. just curious how i think these rules must they must go uh fly pretty fast and loose with these rules in my opinion but um yeah okay anyway hey won't you hit us with your number two number two Number two, um, my number two is Juwan, the original grudge. Um, I had to put it as number two just because it, you know, is one of the films that, you know, started this franchise. I mean, it wasn't the first, obviously, mm-hmm. but it was it was the one that, you know, really, I think, sparked interest in people. And that's the reason why the American remake was made in the first place is because of this film. And I, I do like the way because this was the first time i had seen a japanese film and i think i don't know there's just something it's it's not as high budget as the other films it's kind of gritty but i like that aspect because it makes it kind of creepier and like i feel like the house they actually used a real house in this film too like they didn't use a sound stage or anything so like the house that you see in the film is still standing in Japan today. Like I would love to go to Japan and just see this house for myself. But yeah, they know they filmed at a real house and I don't know. I just love, as you were saying, like you like the origin of the, you know, of the story. I also like the origin and I like the, I, I like the way these ghosts look in this film too. Cause they don't look, they don't look as touched up and, you know, right. nice as they do in the, in the remake. Um, but they still look scary. Like that scene where she's crawling down the scare, down the stairs, still iconic. Like, I think you, it looks better in this than it does in the Grudge 2004. You and I were texting about that the other night, and I was kind of I was roughing you up a little bit on purpose, just being a dick. But like <laughs> I, I do think that the Japanese version of that stair scene does look better than the 2004 version. And I don't, I don't know if it's because, and I know that that actress in the 2004 version uh, did do that. It's not all CGI. She did go down the steps that way. It's um, not CGI at all, actually. Right. So. <laughs> I don't know. I think that the I'd maybe it was because of the makeup. I'm not sure, but I I agree. I think in the Japanese version, um, the 2002 version, that they mm-hmm. they do look better because they just look more realistic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't know. I like the I like the fact that like like you said, it focuses more on the family. I mean, you still have the nurse character who comes to the house and takes care of like the old lady. So it kind of mostly follows the American remake storyline, but kind of goes off on different things. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just like the directions that this film takes. I, I really enjoy it. So as my number two, I'm, I'm going to have to put Ju on cause it's a classic for me. So beautiful. So what's your number two? My number two is oh, the God. grudge. 2000. And four. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. I have to go because I cannot, be- I cannot believe I'm right sorry. now that you're telling me that you put the 2021 as number one. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want people to think that I don't like this movie. I do like this movie. Um, again, it is 
a staple in Japanese horror. It is a staple in the reanimation of Japanese horror in America. It's uh, it's got certain things that are 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 great. It's you know, that sound that Kayako makes is iconic it's from that movie you hear it and you know exactly what it's from the sound that yeah. the, the the cat sound that toshio makes is nothing like you've ever heard right that hand that comes out of sarah michelle geller's head in the shower it's everybody knows that's from the grudge um i've just i'll be honest i've never been a huge fan of this movie i don't know what it is again i'm a huge ring fan. i'm a ring nut i love the ring i think the ring storyline is much better i think the movie is way better but I just, I have a few things. Maybe you can help clarify this for me, okay? Mm-hmm. In the movie, Bill Pullman, that's the actor, correct? The guy that throws himself off of the, the a balcony at the beginning. Yeah. He has no idea who Kayako is, correct? Correct, yeah. He's, he doesn't know her, but she's obsessed with him. She's following him around. She's in all these pictures that him and his wife have. She's in the pictures. Who was taking these pictures? Probably friends, I'm sure. And it she looks just like happens. it looks like they either took it looks like they either took the pictures themselves or they were like at like because there's some where they're at restaurants with other people. Uh-huh. I'm assuming that other people took the pictures and then she just happened to be in the background. And every single one of them. Yeah, that one that one's kind of unbelievable because it's like, what have you been doing with your life, Kayako? You just walk around all that. You leave the house. You leave Toshio home alone. I'm sure because her husband probably works. That's what I was wondering. Your, so who's watching this kid? The other yeah. thing I have a question about is she was writing in this journal. She loves this guy. She loves him. She never messed around with the guy. They weren't having an affair. That husband got that mad about this, that he killed not just the wife who was in love with another man. He killed their son. And then the cat? What did the cat do? Rage is a crazy thing. You don't oh, know. Oh, for like- goodness sakes. <laughs> Then he hangs himself, and then here's my other point, though. Okay, maybe if he had been, you come in the house, and he he does not like you being in the house because he's this rage. Why is it her? Why is it Kayako that is doing all these things, that is the one that is scaring these people, that is cursing these people, that is um, at the forefront of this movie, she is the villain. So why is she being vilified when she was the one that was murdered? Wouldn't it be the husband that had this fit of rage? I mean, I understand you got your little thing at the beginning of the movie where it says, I don't, I'm not going to paraphrase, but you know, if there's a fit of, if something happens in a rage that the curse stays in the place where it happened or whatever. Right. But Mm -hmm. why is it her? Like, I I just, I just don't get it. Well, it's not just her. It's, it's her, it's the husband and it's Toshio. Like they're all part of this curse because they all died violently like they all died violent deaths, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's, there's a saying in Japan, you know, like they said, when she's talking to the detective on the roof, he basically says like, it's said in Japan that when somebody dies in, in extreme, you know, sorrow or rage, the emotion remains. And then Mm -hmm. he's like becoming a stain upon that place. So it's like, it's just this belief that, you know, if something happens, like if there's like a negative energy that takes place at a certain spot, that the energy remains. And then the people that become a part of that, like they all, you know, become consumed by it as well. Okay. So it's like, um, but yeah. Okay. Well, that okay. I, I mean, I guess now you're just being nitpicky. I'm not. I just, I don't, <laughs> I just don't care for the storyline, but that's not neither here nor there. 
I do think that if this was a rated R movie, it would have been, they would have had a lot more range and it could have been a lot better in my opinion. I think the PG-13 kind of killed it. Um, but I have always felt that this movie was geared toward young adults. And I think that watching this again as an adult, because again, the last time I'd seen it was when it had first came out and I was a lot younger then. Um, I still feel like that's that's the vibe, even more so being older, is that because again the storyline for me just doesn't add up, nonetheless. Uh, but you know when you add in the scares from this movie, you, the scary thing is again her, the ghost of Kayako, the way it moves, the way she moves, the way she moves her head, her eye, her the scary voice uh, noise, gagging noise she makes, uh, the cat meowing. That whole thing again, I think that is geared toward a younger crowd, which I think the PG thirteen rating really hints at. Um, and again, I haven't, I hadn't watched it, so having watching as an adult, I really um, still feel that even more so now. Which I think the Grudge twenty twenty is really geared toward a, a older audience, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, that's that's it for me. That was my number two is The Grudge 2004. But I will say I love Sarah Michelle Gellar and anything she's in, uh, which is likely why I went and watched this one anyway. So, um, yeah. again, I don't, I don't want people to think I think it's a, a bad movie. It's just not for me. Well, I guess everybody knows what your number one is, so why don't you go <laughs> into your number one? Number one. Yeah, my number one is obviously no surprise to anybody that's listening to this right now. Obviously, The Grudge from 2004. Um, obviously, as I said before at the beginning of this episode, like this was my introduction to this franchise. Um, and on an enjoyability level, I can watch this movie anytime, any day. I never get sick of it. I love it so much. Um, I really love... Um, I think I briefly touched on this before, but I kind of want to get into it a little bit more. I really, really love like the nonlinear storytelling of this film because I think this was the very first film also that I was introduced to that didn't, you know, tell a straight cut and dry, like, okay, this scene happens next, this scene happens after. So like everything happens either like when you're following Sarah Michelle Gellar's storyline, that is the present storyline. When you're following anybody else, like like the the Williams family that lives in the house, like it's all past tense like so it's like before Karen even gets to the house and and then I really love I think my favorite scene of this whole film is when Karen goes back to the house at the end and you get that little flashback where she's where she's stuck in like that time slip right or it's basically she's witnessing like you know the time slip effect where she's seeing like what happened when Peter was there and I really really love that scene um, just because you kind of get more of a backstory of what happened. Cause like mm -hmm. at this point you're like and they bring it up in dialogue a couple of times like when the detectives are talking to themselves they're like you know, they're the first family to move into this house since the, that the discovery in the attic or whatever. Right. So it's like, you find out you, I just love this film more. So like, I love that it's scary, but I also love that you, it has a story. Like I like, I like the story of this film. It's not just a jump scare fest in my opinion. Like it's not just something that's like they're throwing cheap jump scares just to throw them in there for the sake of having them. I feel like this film, as much as it does have like jump scare type stuff, I feel like they're warranted in this film. I feel like they're not just there to be there. Um, and I, I don't know. I really love the storytelling of this film. I also really love that Takashi Samizu directed this one as well, because you can definitely see it. You can definitely see his direction, you know, from the other films that he's made, like the Japanese ones, you can definitely see the translation from that to this. And I just feel like he does such a good job, especially with under the circumstances of not 
speaking any English whatsoever and being able to pull off a movie like this. I just think it's like really impressive. And I think, I do think the acting is a little stiff in some parts. I I don't think it has like the best acting in the world. I will say that from some people, but I think as much as, I don't know. I I just love this film so much. I really do. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it because I'm just so passionate about this film, but I just, I love the look of the ghosts. I like that, you know, Kayako and Toshio reprise their roles in this film. Um, and I don't know, just, I just love this film. It really, like I said, it really made me want to become a filmmaker. So I think all like with everything being said, I think that's the most important takeaway from this film is that it really made me realize what I want to do like as a career, like this film really sparked something in me that, you know, I've, I've been inspired by horror films ever since. And I've been inspired by, you know, wanting to get into film. So, and it's because of this movie. So I had to put it as my number one, not just because it's like the best of the franchise in my opinion, but just because of all the things that I've said prior. So, yeah, I can tell there's a lot of nostalgia for you with this movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I will go back and say, like I said, it's not that I, I don't want people to think I'm tearing this movie down because you like it so much. That's not the case. I'm just, it's my strictly my opinion. But uh, the scene with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Bill Pullman, where she's is stuck between that time loop, like you said, because mm-hmm. I think at some point in this movie they say that that the act just continues, right? So it just continually happens. Yeah, yeah. and she's seeing it happen, right? And because um, she sees where he was there, and like he kind of uh, realizes what happened in this house, um, but he's like looking at her. And she thinks that he's looking at her, but really he's not. He doesn't know she's there. And I don't mm-hmm. believe, and but she doesn't realize that until she moves. And then he goes to that closet, and that's where he finds the body that falls down. That's all wrapped in the plastic. Um, but that scene, the tension in that scene is was really great. I think they filmed it really well. And Sarah Michelle Gellar did an excellent job of acting in that scene where, because she really believes he's looking at her, like the ghost sees her, right? So I, again, I think that there are good scenes. Like I said. Yeah. This, the sound effects from this movie are the things that stuck with you. And I remember being younger and um, people would do that sound that she makes, <laughs> that gagging sound just to mess with you. You'd call somebody and do it, right? Just, yeah. to, just to fuck with them or the, the cat meow thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, when, I, when it first came out, I'd seen it and um, a lot of that stuff stuck with me. There's a ton of iconic stuff in this movie. And um, honestly, I applaud you because I can tell you I have a lot of friends that watch a lot of horror movies and are horror movie people. I don't think anybody's favorite movie is The Grudge, so that <laughs> that's uh, that sticks out, and that's that's just pretty cool. That it just shows that different movies impact people in different ways. So that's, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't give you shit for putting it as your number. I mean, you obviously like it enough that you put it as your number two. Um, yeah. So like, I'm not going to give you too much of a hard time. I'm just surprised that. <clears throat> the grudge 2020 is your number one, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your reasoning for this <laughs> just because I'm like, okay, uh, that's um, all right. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah. As far as like the whole time slip scene, I really, I really love that scene also. Um, and then they were talking, like I watched the DVD commentary countless times. I pretty much have that memorized as well. Sarah Michelle Geller was talking about how like they were almost like, the perfect height to do that because like she was a little bit shorter than him. So it really does look like he's looking right at her the whole time, Mm -hmm. but he's really not like he's looking past her, but it's just because of the height difference that it like the trick of, you know, camera angle, it makes it look like it's just, yeah, I love it. And I, and that's the thing I remember even watching that scene in the theater, 
it's crazy. Like I can't, I can't tell you like the, you, you hit it on the head perfectly when you said nostalgic for me, because it's like certain scenes in this film stand out to me just because I remember watching them in the theater the very first time. And I remember exactly how I felt the thoughts that were going through my head in each scene, like certain scenes. I was like, Oh God, Oh God. And then I remember getting home and I had to sleep with the bathroom, the hallway light on. And I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep with a blanket for like a week. I didn't want to shower because I was afraid that, you know, her hand was going to come through Uh my hair. So there was just, and I like how this film does that. I like how this film like kind of makes you afraid to do things that you'd normally do in your everyday life as well. I just think it's interesting. So yeah. Anyway, I didn't want to touch too much more upon that, but (laughs) it was your number one movie, man. Touch away, touch away. All right. What's your number one, Josh? Well, the last movie left on the list. So my number one movie is actually your number fifth movie. uh, The grudge from 2020. I'll be honest. I had not watched this until uh, yesterday, the day before. I had not watched it. Um, I had heard all this. Everybody was complaining about it. It was yada yada. Nobody liked it. Um, so I just, just stayed away from it. I think I told you, or maybe I don't remember who I was talking to, but it was something. It might have been you that um, Abby and I sat down to watch a movie over the Christmas break, and it was down to. Uh, because we have HBO Max, so uh, The Grudge was on there, and um, Black Christmas was on there. Obviously, both reboots, um, remakes, yeah. whatever you want to call them. And we just went with Black Christmas. I really enjoyed the uh, Black Christmas remake from the early 2000s, um, which is an- another unpopular opinion. But um, So we watched it instead of The Grudge, just because I was like, well, hey, I heard The Grudge is not good, so let's just watch Black Christmas. Black Christmas ended up being a fucking dumpster fire, by the way. But nonetheless... Um, so this was the first time I'd watched this movie and I, I actually really enjoyed the movie. Um, I think the storyline is a lot more relatable than most of the other storylines in these franchises, especially after watching three and, um, even two, like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of the way the story goes into, I think two is a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I just think the storyline there, they try to do too much with it. What I also really enjoy about this movie is it feels more like an American reboot versus The Grudge from 2004. It just feels more... It doesn't feel like a remake. After watching the Juon... Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. yeah. After watching that and then watching the 2004 version um, again, it re- that really feels like a remake versus this to me feels more like a reboot. Because it's just different. The overall feel is different. The look of it's different. The storyline is is a little different. Now, granted, I understand it takes place during the same time period, 2004 and 2006, which The Grudge 1 and 2 um, both do. But I still, this to me, just felt more like a reboot than a remake. Um, but I really like the, the concept, which I know you hated, which I we talked about, so we don't have to go into it anymore. But I really like the concept that, that she was in the house and she brought that curse back to the back to the U.S. to I think Pennsylvania is where she's at, and the yeah. the the act happens there and basically has a new site or a new house that this this uh, you know act of violence or whatever occurs in, and now it's recurring there based on her having been in that original place. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that versus her coming home and then. No, you're not going to appreciate this, but Kayako basically following her home, like what, what happened in the, uh, I almost said the ring too, in the grudge too. Um, 
and again, I like the grudge too. I like the grudge. It's just that I really like this uh, difference of the storyline where she is now cursed and now she is the one and her daughter. And I thought that fucking daughter was so creepy in the grudge 2020 where she's like bleeding from her nose and from her mates. Cause I have little girls. Maybe that's what it is. But I was like, yeah, Oh it's my probably triggering God. for you. <laughs> it could be, but I was like, Oh my gosh. And then when you see how she actually kills her and she's like, not just drowning her, she slams what you find out why her nose is bleeding because she slams her face off the bottom of the bathtub. So she's not just drowning her. She slams her freaking head off the bottom through the water and hits the bottom of the bathtub, which is why I believe that she's bleeding out of her mouth and her nose when John Cho sees her. What version did you watch? Because that wasn't in the theatrical version. I never saw that. That's in a deleted scene. Uh, I don't know. I watched it on uh, it was either HBO or Cinemax, whatever it's on right now. That's weird. So stars. Maybe have, like, I watched it on Stars. It. Stars is what I watched it on. But yeah, so she's not only so you see her like bleeding from her nose and mouth later. And then once it actually shows what happened, um, you see that the she slammed her freaking face off the bottom of the tub, which is, again, different. What I really like is the – and I'm not a gore head whatsoever, to be honest with you, but I really feel like the gore in this movie added to it. It was really ramped up, especially those scenes with Lynn Shea at that house. It was just so disgusting, and she like when her fingers are missing. And, and my wife actually watched this with me, and she was like, oh, my God. Because Lynn Shea, there's so much tension in the scene where Lynn Shea is chopping vegetables, and Abby's like mm-hmm. – She's cutting her fingers off. She's cutting her fingers off. Oh, my God. She's cutting her fingers off. And then, obviously, because you already know it happens because you see her earlier in the movie with, with no fingers. But, um, so, yeah, I, I think the acting in this is great. I think Lynn Shea did amazing. John Cho did really good. Um, and then even, and I'm going to butcher this name, but um, I think it's Audrey Ro- Rosenborough, Rise, Riseborough. She's the girl from Mandy. She plays Mandy in the movie Mandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the detective who's uh, Detective Moulin, Moulin, I forget her name, but she's. I think she does a great job as well. But the thing for me with this movie is that like this movie is, from start to finish, a tale of misery. Like there, mm-hmm. nothing good happens in this movie from the second the movie starts. Like the first lady that uh, comes home and brings the curse home with her, to, and ends up killing and I also like that twist where it's the the mom that is actually the person that does it versus the dad in the originals where it's the dad that kills the family versus the, and this is the mother that kills the family because she brings that curse home with her but you've got that storyline which is awful you've got John Cho's storyline which he is the real estate agent selling the house and his wife is pregnant and their baby is potentially sick which doesn't matter because they die anyway uh, yeah. Then you've got the old couple, Lynn Shay and her husband in the house, who come there to get treatment for her because she's sick, and they get this curse. The freaking lady that comes there to help them gets cursed. The cops yep. from it's just like it's one thing after another. There's like it's like relentless with this movie, but um, that's what I took away from it. It's really just a tale of misery from start to finish. I know I'm harping on this a lot. But uh, the last thing is the score. The the music in this movie was fantastic. Th- throughout the entire movie, it was fantastic. And I think it really added to some of those scares and um, just that tension building that I think, and that's one thing I really enjoy with horror movies is tension. Like The Strangers, there's not a lot of violence, gore in that movie till the end. But it's the tension in that movie that really does it. And I feel like this movie did a great job of building that tension 
and really um, building that eeriness that that comes with that tension. So for me, I put the Grudge 2020 at number one. I probably just went way too long on that <laughs> tangent, but I really wanted to explain uh, why I liked it. Again, this is my first viewing of it. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Um, and I think it's one of those movies that the more you watch it, the more you're going to see happen because there's just so much going on and so many interwoven plot lines um, that I actually look forward to watching it again. So I have The Grudge 2020 as my number one. I'm so shocked by that. I don't know. So shocked. <laughs> um, but I did kind of want to did kind of want to touch on a couple of things you said because um, as far as score goes, I forgot to talk about that when I talked about the 2004. I fucking love the score in that movie. The, the Grudge 2004 score, so good. Even in the second one, I love the second score, uh, one too. Um, but, and I also love the score in the 2021. That's the one positive I can, I guess I can take away from that. Um, but, and it's not so much like when you were talking about like the storyline, like how you like how it's different. Like I'm not harping on the storyline because it's different. I'm harping on the storyline is because if you're going to call it a grudge film, don't trick and manipulate people into thinking that it's going to be a grudge film. Because honestly, the one, the only thing that made it a grudge film, in my opinion, is the fact that she came out of this house at the beginning and that it like kind of takes place. Other than that, it's not a grudge film, in my opinion. Like, it's just like any other film. And and another thing I forgot to harp on earlier is why does every single character in this film make that uh, sound now? Not does not. That's not a thing. Like nobody else makes that sound except for Kayako in the original. So why is everybody else making that sound when they die? It's like every single person that dies in this film makes that sound once. They, so it's just like there's these little things that I'm like, why? Like, don't do that. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, do not put. I don't know. I think that's the biggest harp that I had on this film because I'm like, you know, I'm getting really excited because I'm like, you get all these like different shots of like what it looks to be Kayako, like this whole scene where she's coming out of the bathtub and she makes that noise. I was like, okay, that's Kayako, you know? And then you get like those, you get that scene where she's standing in front of the house and you see Kayako standing behind her. That is Kayako, but they make it seem in the trailer that she's in the entire movie and she's in the opening scene and that's it. And if that was the case, then they should have said that because I went into this movie thinking that it was another grudge film. We were going to get to see Kayako again. We were going to get to see Toshio again. So I got really excited. So I think it, I think it really annoyed me that they kind of like tried to manipulate the audience into thinking that that's what we were going to get. And that's not what we got. So it's like, that that's my biggest gripe on this film is that it's like, it's not a grudge film. Like you take away the whole, like she comes home from Japan and brings this curse home with her. It's just like any other film, in my opinion, like you take that storyline out and it's just, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I think you might be digging into it a little bit too much, but that's all right. It's your, <laughs> it's your opinion. It's not my opinion. I think it is a hey. grudge film. I think it, it goes linearly right off of that. She was in that house prior to Sarah Michelle Gellar being in that house. She brought it home with her, and then the curse continues. So I, I think it's a grudge film. I can understand what you say about the marketing ploy of it, where I again, I've never seen the trailer for the movie, so I don't know. Um, but I am not a diehard grudge fan, so I wouldn't have been upset had I went to the movies uh, <laughs> thinking that's what it was going to be, and then I got this. Because like I said, I think that the visuals in The Grudge 2020, uh, and you might get mad and hang up the call here, but are far <laughs> superior to that of 2004. It's scarier, it's more gory, uh, it's darker, which I really like dark movies. It's a lot darker. I think that Grudge 2004 movie shot pretty pretty lit in my opinion it's not as dark as this movie is 
Um, and then I think the acting in this one is far superior to that of 2004, with the exception of Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like I said, we talked about that. She does great. Bill Pullman's not in it a lot. He's a really great and actor. He does really good, too. And he's not really in it much. Um, that's, again, just my opinion. But I do think it's a grudge film. I think it goes right along with that storyline. It's a little different, but I think that they – Maybe they don't do a great job explaining why it's different, but for me watching it, I can interpret that for myself is that it's this mother that has done this to her family here, and it's not Kayako cursing this house. It's that lady who did that act there uh, to her family. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, maybe I held it way too high of, to, to a high standard because of the original one because I love that one so much. Yeah. But I think the thing that, like I said, that disappointed me most of all is that it's just it's not – don't manipulate me into thinking that this is going to have Kayako in it when it doesn't. She's in gotcha. one scene and then that's Understood. it. You know? Understood. It, and for the record, I think the only person that makes that gurgling noise, gagging noise in 2020 is the mom, right? Nope. The mom makes it. The daughter makes it. The, the, um, the cop, I don't know if it's the detec- detective guy or the dad that's following the detective woman around, but he makes that noise too. All of them make that noise. Like everybody that dies in this film, it makes that uh, hmm. no, it's so annoying. It's I'll have like, to go back and watch. I didn't catch it, but the mom does die. She stabs herself in the throat, so it would make sense that she would make it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, but okay. All right. Anything else <laughs> before we jump into another horror trivia game? Anything you want to say? I mean, we've said a lot, so I don't know if there's anything left you got left in the tank. But now would be the time to get it out. No, I'm I, I'm I surprisingly survived this. I thought I was going to have an aneurysm at some point. I was like, oh my god, Josh, don't kill me today, don't kill me today. But you know what? I'm happy with you putting the Grudge 2004 at least as your number two. I'm 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 surprised that the Grudge 2020 is your number one, but I can also I can also see it from your perspective. Like you're not a huge like you're not a diehard fan of this franchise, so I can understand like why you would enjoy this movie more so than I would. <laughs> sure. So so I will give you credit there. I'm not going to give you too much shit about it, but I'm just like, ah, oh, the Grudge 2020 number one, huh? I oh, enjoyed it. I'm probably going to watch it again soon just so I can take all this in again. So I may have, we may have to come back and do a revisit on this and, and discuss it further. But Oh, for sure. And you know what else we should do? We should, uh, you should watch The Grudge 3 again. I'm sure you'd love to watch that one. I barely finished. Honestly, I was contemplating not finishing it. And then uh, Kayako's sister shows up. So I was like, okay, I'll write it out. I'll write Why, it out. She thought she was hot. No, I just wanted. I was like, "What? Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Can, what are they? What are they gonna do with this lady here? What? What are they gonna do?" And they, they, uh, it did disappoint me, which is fine, but that's all right. Um, and now we are going to quickly recap on our rankings. So at number five for me is the Grudge from 2020. Number four is the Grudge three. Number three is the Grudge two. Number two is Juwan. And number one is The Grudge. What about you, buddy? So my rankings are coming in fifth is The Grudge 3. At four is Juon. Number three is The Grudge 2. Number two is The Grudge from 2004. And coming in at the top at number one is The Grudge from 2020. Okay, so another trivia, another horror trivia. So do you remember how many questions I got right on the Saw episode? I believe you got nine out of ten. I did. I got nine out of ten, which, which means is very impressive. You have to get at least nine out of ten to beat me, or a perfect score. So yeah, or a perfect score would work. Um, actually, if you got nine out of ten, we would technically tie on what we'd do in that yeah. instance. Um, but we'll figure that out. Nonetheless, 
Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Question one. How many people are killed in the Grudge 2004 remake? Okay. 11, 7, 3, or 12? Okay, give me one second to think about this. Okay. So so there's Peter. He dies at the beginning. There's Yoko. There's Alex. Jennifer, Matthew, Emma. Karen. Oh, no, not Karen. uh, Susan. That's who I meant to say. Toshio, Kayako, Takayo, and Detective Nagagawa. So I'm going to say 11. The answer is 12. It is 12? It's 12. Don't ask me. It's, I Honestly, I got these online, so don't get mad at me. Who the, the answer, fuck did I miss? The Hold answer on, me... is 12. Oh, I, for, I fucking forgot Doug. Oh, there you go. That's who I fucking forgot. I'm... Wow. Wow, dude. Screwed it up. So the answer was 12. I was correct. You were wrong. All right, number two. How much time has passed between the birth of the curse and its first victims? Three months... One month, one year, or three years? Three years. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed that I got that first one wrong. I it was just, you know what? You were counting on your fingers. You only have 10 fingers. Once you get past <laughs> 10, you got to start using toes. It got weird. It's okay. <laughs> Nobody's upset. Question number three. Is it true or false? Everyone who was exposed to the curse died. True or false? true the answer is false and the reason i actually looked this one up because i thought it was true i actually took this quiz by the way um the answer is false because of that question i asked you what about all of the paramedics and all of the reporters and all the people that have been inside of the house and actually that's what's triggered me to ask you that question so See, that's actually but i've always implied that they just died like it doesn't ever show it but like Mm. There's a deleted scene in the original, like in the 2004, where they talk about the realtor that sold them the house died. That was the other one that they mentioned. They said the realtor, even though he had grabbed the hair out of the bathtub, it never said he doesn't, he's supposed to be fine, is what I had. Nope. Nope. He died. Because according to the, I'm going by the deleted scenes. They talk about like when they're at the house with Emma. You and these deleted scenes, if these were crucial parts of the story, (laughs) they should have been included in the movie. If you oh. want it, I'll give it to you. But the answer to the quiz question was, I got it wrong as well, just so you know. It's okay. Just, I'll take it. I've I've already lost the trivia to you, though, which I cannot, I'm... Already ready? I'm, ready? Yeah. Four? In mm-hmm. the Grudge 2, what school does Allison attend? Sendai High School in Tokyo, Japan. Toei High School in Tokyo, Japan. International High School in Tokyo, Japan. Or Tokyo High School in also located in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> um, international High School. Great job. Thank you. That one was like kind of, I was like, oh God, oh God, which one is it? Because I was like, these Japanese names, but then you said international. I was like, yeah, it's definitely international. Number five, after cooking eggs, Trish kills her husband with the frying pan. Why does she turn evil in The Grudge too? <gasps> Kayako victimizes her while she's cooking. Allison is hiding in the neighbor's apartment. Jake finds her worshiping downstairs. There is something dark, not yet revealed from her past. 
Um, I'm gonna go with A. Kayako victimizes her while cooking. Mm-hmm. It is actually because Allison is hiding in a neighbor's apartment. What the fuck are these questions? And how do people know this? Like, how do people actually know if Allison is hiding in there or not? Well, Allison I mean, I know brought the curse like, to the well, yeah. apartment. That's why she goes crazy because Allison brings the curse to the apartments, which is what's causing everybody else to be impacted by the curse. <sighs> Hey, man, this is your franchise pick, not mine, okay? Don't get mad at me <laughs> when the answers are wrong, okay? This is what you get for freaking bending me over the barrel with the Rob Zombie <laughs> questions, okay? Number <laughs> six, what happens after Jake follows the mysterious woman downstairs and finds out what's happening? He hides while the woman looks around, and then the scene ends. Jake's sister shows up and pulls him upstairs. Toshio attacks Jake. But he nearly escapes. The mystery woman sees him and runs off. Um, A. Ding, 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 ding. Great job, great job. Number Thanks. seven. Why doesn't Aubrey help Kayako's mother when she is attacked? She's daydreaming. She's under Kayako's spell. She doesn't see what's happening. She leaves just before the attack. Um, C, she doesn't see what's happening. Great job, great job. Another one right. You're doing well, my friend, doing well. No, I'm not, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for the vote of confidence. I feel pretty shitty about myself right now. I'm like, You're God doing, damn, like, this is fine. my franchise. How am I losing? Number eight, <clears throat> director Nicholas Pesci confessed that The Grudge 2020 was influenced by which two films? The Ring and The Woman in Black, The Exorcist and The Changeling, The Unborn and and Dark Water, or The Exorcist and One Missed Call? Um, it's a tough I'm one. Gonna say, I'm going to say B, The Exorcist and The Changeling. That's correct. Yeah. Number nine. In The Grudge 2020, what is the address of the police station? 444 666 999 or 696? 444. It is 666. Like, I wouldn't know that. (laughs) I've even fucking watched that movie more than twice. God damn it. That was a trick question, too. It was. Because 444, I assumed it was going to be, you know. Yep. I actually got that off the trivia on IMDb and had to make up all my own uh, extra, extra choice, multiple choice. 10, number 10, last one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Of all the movies, which was the first to have a rated R theater release? The Grudge 2020, The Grudge 3, The Grudge 2, or The Grudge? The Grudge 3. The Grudge 2020, because The Grudge 3 was straight to DVD release. There was no theatrical release for that movie. Oh my god. Uh... Okay, wow. That's... <laughs> are you gonna wow, make Josh. it so you've got one two three four five six six out of ten six out of ten which means i took that round this month's trivia round another horror trivia goes to this guy right here Wow, I'm very disappointed in myself. I, I, I can already hear the heckling that's going to happen to me now. It's all right. I thought you did <laughs> an excellent job, honestly. 
thanks, buddy. Some of those questions were fucking trick questions, though, because it's like, okay, I get that Allison brought the curse to the apartment, but it's yes. not. That's not why she becomes possessed. Because Allison's hiding in the apartment. It's because she's. I'm pretty sure she's possessed by Kayako's spirit in that scene. Do you want me to give you that one? Make it seven no, out of ten. To. You don't have to. It's just like, I don't know. It was just confusing because I was like, yes, I will. Allison I will bring- tell you. I would not to cut you off. I will tell you that I got nervous when putting these questions together, which is what triggered the last two questions. Because I was like, <laughs> "He's gonna nail all these." I thought they were easy. Maybe they weren't. And I was like, "I got to throw at least one difficult one in." So I, I will be honest. I did kind of make number nine, the police station address, a trick question, but I got it right <laughs> off IMDb. And then number ten, in my defense, I did say rated R. <laughs> theater release right you did so, you did i tried I, to I help just, you out i think i just overlooked that part because i was like nervous. i was confident in that answer i was like oh, obviously the grudge three you had yeah. a lot you had a lot of nerves going into this episode i know it and uh, <laughs> uh yeah. you know despite that i felt like you performed well so um six out of ten to my nine out of ten it looks like i will be going head to head with um somebody what? from instagram yeah whoever we decide yeah We'll see. Hopefully somebody who's not great at trivia. But, um, hey, before we tell the fine listeners of another horror podcast what next episode's franchise is going to be, is there anything that you want to talk about uh, the Grudge franchise before I announce my pick for next episode? Um, No. I, I, the only thing I would say is I would definitely give this franchise a chance because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like not enough people give this franchise the the praise it deserves in my opinion i think that there are some solid films in this franchise there's some films that you know you can obviously avoid but i think for the most part i think this is a pretty solid franchise for what we got out of it for being 12 films and a tv series and two short films i think for what we got i think we have a pretty solid franchise here i mean i think the first you know i think the first like six or seven movies i have not seen um Jew on Black Ghost or Jew on White Ghost or The Final Curse, but I've seen all of the other ones. And all of them leading up to The Grudge 3, I think, are very good. So I would check them out. I I really love this franchise, obviously. I'm glad that we did this because I uh, got to revisit. I don't know that I would have revisited The Grudge had we not. And I don't know if I would have watched the new one, which I really enjoyed the newest. I'm I'm glad that that we watched it, so... Yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was fun, fun discussion, Josh. Sorry if I broke your heart, but uh, you know, it's just you know, not everybody's a paint. Like I tell my girls, if everybody in the world were the same, it'd be a very boring place. So, no, and I always, I always harp about the fact. That, well, not harp, but I always talk about the fact that like horror is subversive. So like people always have different opinions, and I can't be mad at people for that. So it's it's fine. I'm mad at myself for fucking flunking the trivia so much. <laughs> Six out of ten. That's technically a D. That's okay. <laughs> if you if you're looking at percentage wise, that's sixty percent of the questions I got right. That's tech I te- technically failed, but it's, it's okay. fine. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. <laughs> so that leads into what next episode's gonna be. Which I'm really excited because you haven't told me what it is. You haven't told me what franchise you've decided to pick. So I actually had one picked out and I changed it last minute this morning. Um, 
just based on a couple different things. So I have never been a huge fan of this franchise. Not that I dislike it. I've just never been a huge fan of it. I don't really think I gave it a fair shake, which is why I want to go back. And that's the fun thing about this podcast is we're going to be doing the franchises as a whole. The other yeah. thing is I kind of boned us with Saw because there's so many fucking movies in that franchise uh, that I thought I would take it easy on us uh, this episode. So another horror podcast, season one, the franchise is going to be... I mean, sorry, episode three is going to be <laughs> Evil Dead. Ooh, And okay. I picked this because I'm watching two of them for our podcast anyway, Evil Dead 13 for ours, Evil Dead 81 for yours. I might as well watch the other two, and then we can have a discussion about it. So, um, yeah, episode three of this podcast, another horror podcast, is going to be Evil Dead, which I am honestly really excited about. I'm excited too because I have I've only ever seen so I'll be honest I haven't seen the other film like the other original films except for the first one I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 I haven't seen Army of Dark is Army of Darkness the second one that's the third one yeah I haven't seen that one um yeah I've only seen the original one and I've seen the the remake and that's it I haven't seen the other one so we'll see we'll see how I rank these yeah I'm excited I'm excited um I think Army of Darkness is held in pretty high regard, so it'll be interesting to see how we rank these. I have honestly never seen Army of Darkness. I've seen Evil Dead 1, 2, and I watched the remake once, but I honestly don't remember it much. So I'm excited to go back and revisit these and see where we rank them. So that being said, anything else you want to talk about before uh, before we get out of here? Uh, No, I had a really good time on this episode, Josh. It was fun, so thank you for... Thank you for doing the Grudge franchise with me. I appreciate it. It was a it was a fun ride. It was uh, interesting to to see where you ranked these films because I was not expecting certain picks to be <laughs> higher or lower. So I was like, that that did take me aback a little bit. But I'm still alive. I'm still here. I haven't had a heart attack, so it's good. That's good. That's good. I'm glad I didn't kill you because that's not what I want to do, despite yeah. uh, popular opinion. But all right. Well, if that's it, you want to sign us off. All right, guys. So that's it for episode number two. Uh, tune in for episode number three, where we pick or where we do Josh's pick of the Evil Dead franchise. So I'm very, very excited to get into that. Um, but yeah, we will see you next time on another horror podcast. Bye. Cue the music. Oh, wait, I have to do that. Damn it.